love that music. Good morning. So I'm Rick, one of the ministers here at First City. I'm so excited, especially after coming off of yesterday. Man, I love you. I love this church. Happy holidays. Today is the third uh, installment, third message in this series called Wrapped in the Spirit. And what we wanted to do is ask, what is it that God wants from us, especially during this holiday season? And how can we live intentionally in, in the Lord, in everything that this holiday season produces? Because a lot of people will get all caught up in being a consumer and the purchasing of gifts, preparing their house, and the way that we spend our money or save our money, going on the trips. But, but what we wanted to do is at the very beginning say, what is it that we could do that intentionally puts Christ back in Christmas? How can we reflect God's priorities all the way through this season? Oh, my stars. We've had such a good time. And, uh, and we, I just want to open up today, this morning, in this message, talking about it. In our first lesson, we talked about spend less. And boy, if we could really grab it there, what would that mean? If, because we tend to just think of all the stuff, and, and it's, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? How are we going to do it? And what do we need to spend? And it's like, well, I, I would like an extra tree, or I would like to buy an extra gift, or I would like to do. And so we're, we're, you're, people are so generous, and we're buying for so many people. And at the end of it, if we're not careful, we're like, my goodness, why did we do all of that? Why did we spend all of that? It, you know, and, and so it's, what if we... We're to spend less on each other and create some margin so that we can do something for somebody else. What would that look like? And, and, and I heard a lot of good comments from you guys, and, and, and I know that you followed up on it, you know, just because of the way yesterday showed itself. You know, can, number two was spend less and then give more. How can I give more? And we talked about giving more of ourself. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? And it really set up, uh, for these foster families and, and all this stuff that we did. Today is love all. Love all. This is what I love most about you. It's what I love most about First City. This is probably the very, I mean, it's, the, it's the number one best thing that people compliment you about. Our whole church, they walk away and they're like, wow, that is the friendliest group of people I believe I've ever met. You are such a good family. And you love everybody so well. I, today may be the shortest sermon, you know, in, in the whole year. Now, that would be a Christmas miracle in itself, wouldn't it? And so you're like, come on, man, don't tease me. I'm going to be looking at my clock now. I, I, but I'm telling you, it's, this is, I just want to brag on you. And so this is, this is our first step. Love all is the first step of living with purpose. And so what we said is wrapped in the spirit means that this, the RAP every day. We want to challenge each other to read something out of the Word of God. That's so important because we always want God speaking to us as to how we should live our lives and what we should do. Number two, we want to act on something. Instead of just saying, I love, you, know, I, you know, man, I really love those people from a distance, do something for them. Demonstrate what's in our heart. Act on something. And then number three, Pete, pray. And we've given something specific to pray about. Now, if you've not seen the videos, then uh, I want to show it. Listen, I, th- is it, I think it's, uh, in fact, I have a slide on it. Uh, Hard Rock Cafe has this slogan. And their slogan is, love all, serve all. Now, whether they got it from Baba or not, I don't know. It doesn't matter. But if, 
But if, you know, Hard Rock Cafe can love all and serve all, then surely we can love all and serve all, right? And so how can we do that intentionally? Because for us, it's more than just serving good food. Or when, when you come in their door, they want to love all and serve all. We're not waiting for people to come into our doors. We're going to, the, to them. We're going to the community to love all and serve all. And so if you have not seen today's video on what we want to do, I want to show it to you. That way we can all watch it together. And these videos that these little children are putting together, we post them on our Facebook and Instagram every morning at 810. And so you can watch them. Here's today's video. Uh, The Grinch. Your favorite Christmas movie is The Grinch. What do you like about The Grinch? His face. His face? (laughs) Does he have a funny looking face? It doesn't look anything like my face. Hello, my name is Justina, and it's the fourth day of Christmas. Today we are going to be reading Isaiah 61, 1 through 11. Today we want you to pick up trash from your local neighborhood and pray for the ones that are there. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Okay, I can do that. That's easy. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Yeah! Oh, man. So it's all about your neighbors. Go down your street. Do something nice for your neighbors. Say, hey, Merry Christmas. God bless you. And pray for your neighborhood. As you're riding into your neighborhood, just pray down the streets. Pray for the homes. Pray for the marriages. Pray for the children. Just pray over your neighborhoods. Everywhere you go today, all into our communities. And so, and then read out of the book of Isaiah. So that's today. Every morning from now through Christmas, you'll have a different video from one of our children in the back. And, and they're just giving you the three things to do. So that's the one for today. I just, I love all of that. Hey, by the way, was not yesterday fun? Huh? I'm telling you, if you came yesterday, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So we've been talking about foster families and what we wanted to do and and, and we mentioned this last week, that just three weeks ago, something fell through with the foster care uh, uh, Christmas party. And there's a place that always hosted it, and they said, we're not going to do it this year. And so they didn't know what to do. The organizers of it didn't know what to do. Jesse Howell finds out about it, and we know Jesse Howell. She's like, oh, that can't happen. And so she called me, and she said, Rick, they have no place. What do you think? And I said, well... It's last minute. We're going to have to work hard and jump through a lot of hoops. But whatever we need to do, make it happen. Let's just, you got all of us. We'll throw everything we have into it. And we did. And people were so generous. Businesses donated the, the food and the biscuits and the, and the breakfasts. One, element, one middle school, you know, bought and purchased for kids 150 gifts. We had over 309 families that were served. Over 190 children were here and were served. And I'm telling you, this stage, in fact, show the, lo- the Lyft logo. So this is our logo. This is created from a, a group at, here at church for our foster care initiative in the way that we want to love them, invest in them, and facilitate and help these families to thrive. And how we're going to come around these families and just love them and support them well. And so... Here's some pictures from yesterday, and you have to be careful with the pictures that you show, you know, because 
Uh, legally, we don't want to show all the faces and all these children, but I can show you. There was our carolers, our First City Church carolers out front, just singing and welcoming everybody. We had the Grinch and Mary Lou, Betty Lou, Linda Lou, somebody Lou, Cindy Lou, something Lou. And, and, and so half the kids were like, yeah, and they got their picture with the Grinch. The others were like, oh, there's no way in the world I'm going to go to the Grinch. The stage, just Christmas trees everywhere. Santa was sitting up here, and they would come, and they'd get there. They'd walk in the door. They'd get in the line. They'd come up. They'd get their picture with Santa. They'd come over here. They'd get a gift. They'd go upstairs. We fed them breakfast. They would go to this end of the third floor, and they would play these games, and they would earn these elf bucks. And then they would come downstairs, and the parents would sit in the parent lounge, which is our first kid's check-in area, and then we would take the children in the back. Hey, you want to buy a gift for your dad? You want to buy a gift for your mom? Come on back. And they got to pick out whatever gift. They had one room for dad's gifts, one room for mom's gifts. Then they would go into the wrapping room, and they would wrap their own present. And they were so excited, and would bring them back to their parents. I got you something. I got you a gift. You know, and, and we just blessed them in the Lord. I'm telling you, our biggest struggle yesterday morning was before any of those foster care families showed up. We had so many volunteers that we didn't think that we had enough parking places for the people we were going to serve. That's the truth, isn't it? We're like, what are we going to do? We need to park other places so that these families we're going to serve will have a place to come in. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You need to celebrate that. It was so good. It was so, and there's so many stories. We had one family that came in. And so this lady was going to bring uh, her children and this little new little foster baby. And, and so the dad was deployed. She had no idea. But as she was getting ready before she came here, her husband surprised her and came home from duty. And she's like, welcome home. Meet the little boy that is in our home. And, and we're adopting. So say hey to your son. <laughs> <laughs> and they came and they were like, hey, please don't say anything to anybody or post anything because I haven't told our family yet and we're going to have a big surprise, a big reveal for them this afternoon. And we had to love on that family well. There were people who came in. Man, there was one family. It was a single and she had like 10 kids. I'm telling you, the way you loved on families yesterday, no one will be able to measure but God. And watching those children who have gone through so much Love their gifts. It was so, I, I'm going to embarrass Sam. Uh, there was a family here and they had like five kids. And so Sam's sitting back here. And my wife was watching them when they were coming out of, the, out of the back after they had just wrapped their gifts. Sam, those kids were so excited, weren't they? There were five of them. And, 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 and they were like duck, duck, water, water, duck, duck. And Sam was behind them. And they were all like little kids, like little ducks holding their gift. <laughs> and they were... <laughs> And big old Sam was walking behind them like, okay, here we go, here we go. And they were all in a line, and they took their gifts to their mom and dad. They were so excited. I'm just telling you, you brought heaven into those children and those families yesterday. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's what we mean by love all. That's what it looks like. That's what heaven is. That's what church is. That's what God has called us to do. And so love all, I think it's just, you're so good at it. You're so good at it. 
And I, can't, I just can't tell you thank you enough. This place was just packed. It was a zoo. But I'm going to tell you, we were worn out. Were we not worn out? And yet, we did not have to say anything to anybody about cleanup. Because when you're really tired and you've worn yourself out, all you want to do is go home and get off your feet. But people said, okay, what can I do to clean up? And we had the furniture from downstairs was all over the building. It had to all be taken back. Chairs were all over and tables. We We had to stack and put them all back. We had to clean everything up and get it ready for a band so that we could worship today. And in less than an hour and a half, all the people who just pitched in together, put this whole place back together, swept the floors, vacuumed the carpet, did everything, and we were out of here. I'm telling you, I want to thank you for your service as much as I want to thank you for the way you loved on people. I mean, you're just a great church. You're just a great church, and I'm so proud to be a part of it and, and a part of this with you. So if I'm going to finish in record time, let's do these, uh, these three points. What does love all mean? Number one, love all is the picture of heaven. Now, you saw it yesterday, and you, if you were here and, 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 and you were caught up in the middle of it, you could feel the Spirit of God in this place. Amen? For those of you who are here, just amen it if that's true. Okay, yeah, so see? And it was, it was so good. And so, it, but it's the picture of heaven. Now, in 1741, George Frederick Handel wrote his oratorio called Messiah. And, and here's a picture of him. And these are, if, if it was clear enough, you could see just actual pages, 259 pages, scored music and composition, 259 pages. He did it all in 24 days. And still today, it's like that was amazing how he could, he heard it in his head. He felt like God gave it to him. And an oratorio is, is not like a, it's not like an opera where there's, where there's dialogue amidst you know, songs and stuff. It's all music, a cappella, or instruments, or a combination of both. And the whole thing that he wrote takes about two and a half hours to perform, if you've, if you've sat through all of it. Famous for the end of part two, the Hallelujah Chorus. And, and we know that part. And so when he wrote it, and, and with his partner writing all the scriptures, it was, all, it was actually written as a celebration of Easter. But today, it's mostly played around Christmas time. And, and it started, part one, in the book of Isaiah with the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And he goes through all of the prophecies and he goes through the book of Isaiah. And then it comes to Jesus and the passion by which he lived his life. It, the, the, the pronouncement of the shepherds, and, which is the only thing out of the Gospels that's in there. Part two, Jesus, how he lived his life, what he gave his life to, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven marked by the hallelujah course. And then part three. And in part three, it's Jesus as he goes back home, as he ascends and walks into the throne room of God. And Handel's Messiah ends in Revelation chapter 5. And in Revelation chapter 5, this is the picture. That there was, when you go through his whole, his whole oratorio, the, the world was a mess. 
and needed a savior. And God spoke it to Isaiah. He's coming. A Messiah is coming. And he will rescue you from your sin. And he will rescue you from death. And he will turn your life around and make something beautiful out of the ashes that you feel inside. And then Jesus came into the world as a baby. And and lived his life perfectly. And overcame death. Overcame sin. Won the victory for us for eternal life. And then he ascended back home. And he paved the way for us to eternally be with God. Revelation chapter 5 is John's way of trying to capture what that looks like. And Revelation, if you've read Revelation, it's kind of weird to read. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 when you read it, it's, it's written so poetically and with, and with all these different figures. And sometimes it's just kind of hard to figure out. But Revelation chapter 5 is this picture right here. God is sitting on his throne and he's holding the book of life. And, and it's sealed up. And he's waiting for somebody, someone, a Messiah, to come into the world. Because heaven is perfect. And in heaven there is no sin. And there is no death. And there is no night. But somebody has to conquer it. So that people like us, who are sinful and who will die, to eventually still live forever. And God is holding this, and, and, and John writes it as a book. He's holding this book in his hands, and he's sitting on the throne. And everybody in the room is waiting, eagerly waiting. Who can open the book and break its seal? Who can conquer death? Who can conquer sin? And they looked around and said, no one, no one on earth can do it. No one can open this book and break its seal and conquer sin and conquer death. No one in heaven. He's like, and he's like throughout the whole universe. No one on earth, above the earth, below the earth. No one in the universe can do this. And so he said, I began to weep. John's like, while I'm writing it, I'm just crying. I'm weeping because no one is worthy to open the book and bring eternal life to people. And it's all God wants. All he wants is for you to spend eternity with him. And then he said, all of a sudden, the door opens. And from the earth ascended to heaven, the Messiah, our Lord. And he walks into the throne room of God. And he goes over and he takes the book out of the hands of God. And he breaks it's seal. And he says, and John records it this way. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. It's like all we want, God, forgive us, heal us, love us, receive us. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy, they're saying to Jesus, to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God 
from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. And after that, he goes into our own hallelujah chorus. And they all began to sing, worthy is the lamb. And you are worthy and you are honorable and you are noble and you are great and great and awesome. Right? And they just started singing praise to God. That's one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. But I want you to notice that line that he said he ransomed people from every tribe, every language, every nation, every people. That's the picture of heaven. And God's like, we've got to get over our prejudices. We've got to get over the way that we segment society for political reasons and racial reasons and sexism reasons and, and, and across the nation when we don't speak to other nations and, and we look down at other people and, and, and we begin to be, I'm telling you, God is like, at some point, you got to get over all that and see past the color of people's skin and see past political biases and look into the soul of another person and unite with them in the name of the Lord. And that's the vision of God. The picture of heaven is that we love all. Everybody, everywhere, without bias, without prejudice, freely. Because that's what Jesus purchased with his blood. And so our challenge is to get past whatever it is we have to get past. I don't care how you were raised. It's no longer important what biases you inherited from your families, your parents, and your grandparents. In the name of Jesus, we get over all of that because we're going to be pleasing to the one who is teaching us, I love everybody, and I need you to do the same. It's the picture of heaven. Number two, love all is the plea of Jesus. Jesus' very first sermon that we have recorded is in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. He, he, you know, he comes into the city and he sits up on a hill and people start hearing about him. And they're like, hey man, the carpenter's son, he's going to speak to everybody. And I heard that, he can, that he's cool, that he's unbelievable. That he speaks with authority. No one talks like he does. I've never heard somebody preach like he preaches. And so 5,000 people, they all gather. And Jesus begins to speak to them. And one of his challenges was this right here. Matthew chapter 5. It'll be on the screen. Verses 43 through 48. He's like, now you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Okay, pause right there. You, you got a law, and it's, and it's wrong. It's a bad law. Your law teaches you to be prejudiced. Your law teaches you, love the people you like and hate the people you don't. And it's okay. And he said, not if you're going to be like me. Not if you're going to be like heaven. So Jesus is like, I want to challenge you. I say... Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. We just read the picture of, of God in heaven, right? For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends his rain on the just 
and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? That's the, if I were reading this in my office, I'd just sit on that. I, just, I wouldn't be able to go any further than that until I figured out what that meant in my life. Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's like the goal of God, the plea of Jesus, it's not just a picture of heaven, but it's what he expects us to do here on earth. And he's like, at some point, we got to get over. And and we, we, we minimalize people all the time. Well, it's that weird neighbor, and they're always yelling at me because... You know, I, I don't cut up the grass all the way to their lawn. And, and they're like, well, you keep trimming my hedges, and these hedges belong to me, even though they're on your side. And, or we get, you know what I mean? I mean, we just, we feel justified to just bless people out. Now, there's your good expression. I'm going to bless people out, which usually sounds like, my food is cold. Take it back. I don't want it. And bring me something hot. Come on, man. Right? It's like bless people out means we say, yeah, it's good. Thank you. <laughs> I wish it would have been a little warmer, but it's all right. <laughs> That's how you bless people out. I, I don't know how you live this out, but don't you see what Jesus is really saying is this. Somehow in your own mind, you have found a way to wound people because you feel justified in doing it. And he's saying, is the only time you're going to be nice to people is when you're getting your way. When the food's hot, when the line's short, when they don't cut you off from the parking space, when they're moving at the pace you think they ought to move, when someone shows up late, do you really think that you have permission just to chew them out because you're justified? I mean, all he's asking us to do is, what's inside you? Who are you fighting for? You or God? Temporary or eternal? Because you'll win the temporary battle. And they'll walk away and saying, if that's what it means to be Christian, I want nothing to do with it. And you'll win the day and lose a soul for eternity. And Jesus is saying, that's not the heart of God. Let's learn to treat each other differently. Let's learn how to really bless each other in the name of the Lord. Now, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm still in training on how to do this well. But I'm trying to train myself to be most calm when things are most frantic. And yesterday, I was challenged with it. Because at the beginning of the day, before anybody got here, and I'm on my way, and, and Jesse's already here, and there were some people sitting out in front of the building, and she did not feel safe. We didn't know who they were, why they were parking in our building, and, and why they were looking at her with this face. And she didn't even feel safe enough to go outside. 
And so she calls me and she said, I'm weirded out. I feel really. I said, okay, listen, we're going to do something today for children. And there's a battle over the souls of these children. And we need to expect that both good guys and bad guys are going to show up. Call the police. And I'm going to get there as fast as I could. And then I called a couple of people from our security team who were right around the corner. And they got here as fast as they could. And I could feel inside me getting into protection mode. And I'm not, I don't want anybody to feel like that. And I'm going to come and rescue. And God bless my wife. It's my wife that says, it's okay. This is bigger than you. We can stay calm. God will fight for us. What a good wife. Amen. Right? Just a reminder. You don't have to get all up in arms. You don't have to get overprotective. You can, you can relax. This is all about God. We're going to be okay. That's the, see, that's it. That's, man, love your enemies. And by the way, just so that you'll know, they were filming a movie just over here right around the street. So they were actors and actresses and people who were getting ready for a movie. Next, so now I don't want to have them arrested. I want to find out how can I get in the movie. And, you know, and it's, just, it's Matthew McConaughey over there. Can I say, hey, I'm all mad for no reason, right, other than protecting Jesse. And, uh, and, 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 and thank you for jumping into protection mode. But even we can protect in the name of the Lord. We can, we can do everything. Now, here's, the, here's another challenge. Number three, love all means everybody always. Have you seen the book? Yeah, you, you like the book? Is that what you're doing, Aaron? Yeah, I know Lisa's like bought 29 million copies of the book, and she's giving them to everybody she can think of. So here's Bob Goff. He's the one who wrote Love Does, right? Now, I don't want to go over everything about that book today because I think it's such an important message. It deserves its own series. And we'll probably do it during the Valentine month. You know, just during the month of February when love is in the air and Hallmark gets all your money. That's when we'll probably do this series. But everybody always. I want you to hear how Paul describes it. And as, and as we're trying to learn everybody always, he's, it's, it's less about the people that we're wanting to love. And listen to what Paul challenges, you know, the people in Colossae with. He said, since God chose you to be a holy people, you know, this holy people that he loves, you must clothe yourself with. Listen, I mean, he's, he's trying to grow us up so that we can be free to love everybody always. Everybody always. Clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Okay, I'm reading this in my office. I cannot go any further. And now I'm, I'm giving myself an evaluation. Let's see, on a scale of 1 to 10, how tender-hearted <laughs> do I show mercy? Did I do it this morning? Am I kind to the people who challenge me the most? Or is it just too easy for me to walk in the opposite direction? Am I humble? Am I gentle? Am I patient? Am I patient? Man, I got a lot of work. I mean, before I can even go to the next verse, I've got a lot of work. Because 
I tend to be more patient with you than I am my wife. Right? I mean, we talked about this two weeks ago. We tend to give our first and our best to people to whom we're replaceable and our excuses and our leftovers to the people to whom we're not. And so that just challenges me. If I'm really going to do this, then my first step is not to look or judge anybody else. My first step is a heart issue. I need to have tender-hearted mercy. I need to be kind and humble and gentle and patient. Make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, come on. It just, it just gets more challenging the more I read. And it's like, okay, and if I can get past that one. And forgive anyone who offends you. Oh, man, I don't even want to. Can I do it from a distance? Can I do it quietly? Do I have to tell them? Do I have to hang out with them? Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You had to say that. Isn't that how you read the Bible too? I mean, don't you do that? Don't you just internalize it? And don't you? And he's like, I'm digging at you. I'm digging at you. I'm digging at you. I'm digging at you. Let me give you the why. Because that's how Jesus loves you. And don't you want to love like he loves? Oh, man. Okay, God, you have my whole heart. (laughs) And then it just keeps going. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. It's a heart issue. It always is. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Man, Paul is such a good writer. The Holy Spirit is teaching me to be different. And he was so gentle with me. And he's pleading with me. God forgave you. And from that place, forgive everyone else. So here are four ways to live it out. These are four things that do come from the sessions that we're going to go over whenever we do this, everybody always from Bob Goff. And the first one is love people right where you are. Love people where you are. Oh, my goodness. Have I told you thank you for yesterday yet? Did I? Did I? Did I mean it? (laughs) I really mean it now. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You did that yesterday. That's what it looks like. Just the people in our community, the people in our neighborhoods, the people all around us, the people that are hurting. We call it the pockets of pain in our city. We're no longer comfortable to come in and just worship God and not do anything about the people who are hurting. So our first step is just love people where you are. Thank you for doing that yesterday. Number two, catch people on the bounce. So what what he means by catch people on the bounce is, man, life bounces people around pretty difficult. I mean, pretty hard sometimes. Amen? Has life not bounced you around? Have you not found yourself just one day, everything's going well, and then the next thing you know, it's like you're crashing. The whole world is coming in around you. It's like somebody wounded you. Some, something is hurt. You lost your job. I don't, it, it, there's a lot of things that could happen. 
Find people who are hurting, who have fallen, and they need somebody to pick them up and do it. It's like Peter walking on the water, and then he looks around, and he gets scared, and he sinks. And Jesus didn't let him splash around. What's that like? If you'd have just kept your eyes on me, right? Jesus didn't do any of that. He just immediately reaches down and picks Peter up. And then when they get back in the boat, he's like, Peter, you can trust in me. You can believe in me. We can do this. It'll be okay. Right? And so if you know that there's somebody hurting, they're in the hospital. Their health is hurting. The relationship with their kids is, is strained. If you know that there's somebody, who around you could use some words of encouragement, could use some love, Find those people and be intentional. Number three, a deeper step, don't play it safe. Don't play it safe. There's going to be some you're like, oh, I don't know. Last time, it didn't go so well. I don't know if I have what it takes. I just don't play it safe. Do it, partner up. Do this through your small group or other people that you know and love. But let's... Listen, the more we get into foster care, the more I'm telling you, the evil one does not want these children rescued. And, and there's going to be times when we know we're not playing it safe. We are really getting involved into a mess. In the name of Jesus, we will be victorious. Don't play it safe. And then finally, love even the difficult people. I think I've said enough about that. And we know who they are, right? Remember Red Skelton? Oh, I love my enemies. I made most of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's me. I love you. I love everything about you. I love who you are. I love how you live. I love how you give unselfishly. I love your generosity. I love the way you love me and my wife. I love you. I love you. And I'm grateful for you. Love all is who you are. I think our prayer should be the prayer of Jabez. Oh, Lord God, extend our influence. Increase our boundaries. Not because we want to be rich or we want to hoard those blessings, but because we want to be a blessing to more and more people. Send us more, Lord God, and send us workers. We need more workers in the field. We're going to go into our time of communion. If you're serving communion, you can go ahead and go to the back. This little simple meal was the way that Jesus demonstrated for us that we show his death, burial, and resurrection means a lot to us. We're honoring him in everything that we do. And then we're learning how to live that way intentionally for other people. And so we're just going to celebrate Jesus together by taking this communion. And then as we give back into the orange boxes or the places around the, wall, uh, you know, the room and, and, and uh, all the building, and thank you for your generosity. Thank you for the way that you give. Thank you for the way that you love. Have I told you I loved you? Lord God, make us more like you. Change our hearts and make them new. Give us more of your Holy Spirit.
Teach us how to love people the way you love people. How to give the way you give. Thank you for laughter and love. Thank you for unconditionally celebrating us even though we as sinners are in desperate need of more of you. Right now we celebrate Jesus, his life, his death, his victory and the resurrection and the fact that he walked before you, opened that book and broke the seal, the victory over death and sin that ushers us for all eternity into your presence. We celebrate that and we will live it every day of our life. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.